0: Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. This week, we're going to be looking at the decisions investors are making today. Do you hang on for the long term or do you cut and run? That's our show. We're your guests and hosts, so stay with us on the Real Estate Guys radio network. It's no secret we like to have fun on the real estate guys, but there's nothing fun about facing foreclosure
1: or struggling to make payments on an upside down mortgage. You know, we get more requests for our loan workout report than all of our other reports combined. So we know there's a big
0: need out there. That's why we've looked for companies that provide solutions for distressed property owners and put them on the resource directory on our website.
1: One company we've been getting good feedback on is Home Rescue Financial Services. They'll connect you to qualified professionals who can help stop or stall foreclosure, renegotiate your loan or get you out of the property without a foreclosure on your record. The point is, if you need help, don't go it alone. Professional help is available and it's more affordable than you might think. Call our resource hotline today at 888-510-6838, extension 108, or visit the resource page at realestateguysradio.com.
0: That's 888-510-6838, extension 108, or visit the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Each week, we bring you some great real estate information, and we're glad you're with us. Let's meet the guys, our co-host and financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Hey there. And uh, the man we call the godfather of real estate, as he has been investing in uh, seven different decades, Bob Helms. That's a long time, isn't it? It is a long time and uh, you have faced the very dilemma we're going to talk about today on the program, uh, the investor's dilemma today with what's happened in the fallout. You've got a property, maybe it's worth what you paid for it, maybe it's worth less, maybe the cash flow is now negative. You're deciding, do I hang on to this thing and try to you know, hunker down and batten the hatches and live to play another day or do I cut, run and redeploy the money? That is what we're going to talk about today on the program.
1: So, you know, the flip side of that is you're sitting there and you aren't struggling and you're fine and you're out there looking for opportunity, but there's people that you uh, have the potential to purchase a property in distress from that are facing these very same questions. So if you're sitting here listening to the tee up going, hmm, this really doesn't apply to me. It really kind of does because we talked all the time. We talk all the time. In fact, a few shows back, we were talking about the concept that Bob brought up, which is what does a seller want? So if you can get inside the mind of the seller and understand their options, or even better yet position yourself as their friend and help them understand their options and maybe one or two or three of those options you know bring the property your way, uh, it can be a great, great topic. But whichever side of the fence you're on, the fact of the matter is is that this recession continues to linger. Housing uh, in particular, but real estate in general, and a lot of people are waiting for the commercial shoe. Uh, the other shoe to drop. And, oh, it's dropping. Well, yeah, it's dropping. And what are the ramifications of that going to be? Uh, the jobs, uh, job market is still continuing to be very uh, soft. Would be a nice way of putting it. It's really, it's, it's pathetic. It's still, it's still bleeding jobs. I mean, we're celebrating the fact that it's not in 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 six figures. It's only five figures. But we're still losing what used to be large cities of jobs every month. Now we're just losing small towns of cities, you know, jobs every month. But we're not making any jobs, and so you look at all those different things going on and you're thinking, you know, uh, we're not, we're not anywhere near through the difficult part yet. And so each individual uh, person out there who owns property is looking at their situation saying, I've got decisions to make and I've got to decide, am I going to, am I going to continue to try to pay this and sacrifice uh, my income or am I going to continue to borrow or am I going to cash out my retirement? What am I willing to sacrifice to try to hold on? Or maybe I should just, walk away and what does that look like
0: Now we know a lot of investors are, are facing this because we're talking to them right we have people who come to our mentoring clubs and people that send emails and this is going on a lot and and because of that we thought we ought to address it in a format that uh is going to have you thinking about some things
2: and you know if you're that really really smart or really, really lucky, or maybe mythical person, Russ described, who is sitting there and everything is working great for you right now, that's not a reason for you to drop out and say, no lessons here for me. Hey, I'm just doing fine. I'll just wait till this is over. This is where the good lessons come from, even if you're not in desperate trouble because all the people around you are the dynamic that is there probably won't be back again now I have been through a few of these things that have gone up and down but I'd be lying to you if I told you one I knew this was coming Two, that it would be as pervasive as deep as drawn out as it is and so the point is simply that we all learn the pieces of it to try to apply to the next thing if you don't participate your learning curve will be zero
0: yeah you know we're all getting a lesson this time so next time we'll be ready if you're not going to get the lesson until next time you're going to have to wait till the time after that uh what we did know <laughs> is that a, a drop was coming in the market you know how we knew that it always happens right never once has there not been a drop in the real estate market never once have prices gone up 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 and never gone down what goes up must come down eventually. Now the overall trend still up. That's great. Long-term investors like Bob been in the you know investing business for seven different decades. You see the fruit of that. But if you're in today in a difficult position, we want to help talk you through some of the decision points. I uh, had an opportunity to meet with an investor who was saying, uh, I, "I'm not in terrible shape." But I need to ask a compared to what question, right? We always ask when, when someone says, well, now, is this a good investment for me or should I do this or what do you think about this marketplace or what do you think about this opportunity? It's always well compared to what? What might you do with your time and effort and, and money? We talked a little bit about uh, that on the show last week. And, and so here's the scenario that I, I want to walk you through. This is just an example. But this particular investor has a property. It's worth, say, 500000 He bought it for maybe five fifty. Okay, so it's gone down in value a little bit. Uh, the loan on it is just over 400000 So he probably bought it at the time with the 20% down. Uh, and so not a terribly exotic, crazy loan, but it is an adjustable uh, loan. And he has had positive cash flow for three years. All right, success story, right? Except that, again, the underlying value has gone down a little bit. Not a ton. It's in a pretty solid market long term, and and we'll talk about that uh, in in a little bit. Uh, But the value has gone down. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is the positive cash flow was all based on a tenant who has now moved out. The market has softened a little bit, and the property manager is saying, I can get it rented. Don't worry about that. But you're probably not going to get the premium rent that you had, and the loan has just adjusted up. So now what was a couple hundred bucks a month positive is now a few hundred dollars a month the negative. And so like any prudent investor, he's got a milestone in his property and he's saying, should I stay or should I go? Do you think I should hang on? Do you think I should get out of here? What makes the most sense? And so in helping to talk him through that, a lot of these ideas were coming up. And I think if you're in a position where you've got a property that's a bird in the hand, for whatever reason, maybe it's gone down in value, maybe it's not your favorite property, but you have it. How does that compare with liquidating it, which comes at a premium, and doing something else. So we're going to talk about running through those decisions, both the keeping it decision or the getting rid of it decision, and then the compared to what? How does that scenario play out? So this particular market is a, is a strong market. I, I know that a lot of studies been done on this particular market. It's going to remain nameless, but this particular market has a housing shortage looming. It is estimated that between three and five years from now, there will be a drastic shortage of housing units. And in 10 years, it is a huge problem. So much that the entire local government is focused on the housing shortage. Because they look ahead, right? They have a plan that goes ahead for years and years. So long-term, good market. It's also a very vibrant, major city. It's not some little neighborhood, neck of the woods town out yonder. It's a place that has lots and lots of vibrancy, lots and lots of jobs, diversity of industry. And so that all makes sense. It is in an area that has new construction. In fact, he bought the property brand new. And because of this huge boom, there's a lot on the market. Now at the time and, and those of you astute uh, investors who study this kind of stuff, this may give you a little bit of clue into the marketplace the time he bought it, the vacancy rate, less than one percent in the submarket. So it was uh, owner's bonanza. As a landlord, you'd love that. You have a line of tenants literally waiting out the door. The property manager would list the property as a rental and have a showing. There would be 20 to 30 different people or couples there to look at the unit. So it essentially was not vacant. Now, today, they'll do that same thing and they'll have two or three. So people still want to come, come rent, but they aren't willing to pay the premiums that they were a little while ago. But also, if you think about the fact that underlying value has gone down, the underlying rent's gone down a little bit, the grocery multiplier may be exactly the same. He's just in at a higher price. So what does he do? Does he stay? Does he go?
1: What do you think? Well, there's a lot to look at just talking specifically about the situation with the tenants, because if this is a rental property, then the prospect for tenants and what they're willing to pay is going to be real important. So one of the things I'd be looking at right away is, is the population decreasing? Because if there were lines of tenants before and there's no longer lines of tenants now, but the population is the same, that tells me the economy is soft and people are clustering. And that's good in the long term because people don't like the cluster, right? As soon as the economy gets stronger, those people are going to be out once again looking for places. And if, in fact, the uh, prediction that the long term or the midterm three to five year housing situation is going to be tight when the economy picks back up, there could be some real positive pressure Uh, from a landlord's perspective, on rents. And you could see those lines forming once again and people willing to bid up the rent in order to get in. And
0: again, don't just focus on on this market because I'll tell you what the answer is in this market. But this is the question. This is the process you go through if you're in the same boat. We have folks who are in a similar uh, situation that are in a market that I don't think has very long-term good prospects at all. And and my advice there, uh, my suggestions, I shouldn't say advice, uh, were to consider... Getting the heck out of Dodge. In this case, what's happened is the local builders responded to the fact that there is, uh, you know, this tidal wave coming of of uh, not enough houses and too many folks with just overbuilding, as they often do. Hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of units hit the marketplace. So when his unit uh, unit first came on the marketplace, a lot of renters. But as soon as there were another over one thousand units in this area, all of a sudden it's just a little softer. It's not soft. I mean, compared to a lot of markets around right now, we would kill for a market. Today, vacancy, maybe 3.5%. Wow. So still a strong market. But the sub-market also, this is a higher-end property. It's definitely a premium property. It's not a a bread-and-butter property.
2: First of all, just looking at that market in terms of trying to do a little analysis, I love the idea that it's got a a predicted coming housing shortage because that says, looking ahead, this isn't a disaster that's going to fall off the cliff. This now becomes more a matter of, what is my long-term plan? What do I want to do? Where am I going? And is this the best opportunity to do it in? So I've got a property that went from a little positive cash flow to a little negative. So the first question is, can I afford to manage the cash flow? And secondly, do I want to manage the cash flow? Does that make sense for me in terms of everything else I'm doing?
0: Well, that's a good point because if you have a property and you got into it and it's 100 or $200 a month positive and you have a busy life and investing is a, a side business for you, everything's good, right? What's the problem? I got rent coming in. I'm making my payments. I'm covering my HOA. I'm good. This There's not a problem here. All of a sudden, when there's a shift, now you have to make a decision. And so when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, what we call incremental investing. It's an interesting concept in these times, and we wrote about it in 2005. So stay with us. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms.
1: Hi, this is Russell Gray. I say do the math and the math will tell you what to do. Tony Robbins says success leaves clues. Put those together and you have Paradigm Life. Let Paradigm Life show you how and why wealthy individuals and multi-billion dollar companies use life insurance to grow and protect their assets. You'll be amazed. For a free report, send an email to life at realestateguysradio.com or visit beyourbank.com. Hi, this is Kendra Todd, winner of The
0: Apprentice, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. We're talking about do you keep it? Do you dump it? What do you do with a property these days? There's all kinds of great opportunity out there, and you hear people you know, touting, oh, it's the greatest time ever, and look, stuff's on sale, and if I only had some money, well, maybe you've got money tied in the property, and even though you're not going to get it all back out, it might be some uh, working capital going forward, so that's uh, what we're talking about today, and uh, this concept uh, we were bringing up here before we went to break of of incremental investing, uh, that's the idea of being in a property where you put a down payment, initial investment down, and you're positive about the marketplace, you like leverage, you're in for whatever the term is going to be, two years, five years, 10 years, and it's negative. It's negative by a hundred bucks. Let's say it's negative by a hundred bucks. Okay. So that's how much a year? 1200 $1,200 a year. So that's how much in 10 years? 12000 $12000 so over 10 years is it worth incrementally investing in the property what i've done is i put some up front and I'm then putting another 12000 in over a 10-year period.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, really, you think about it, people say, well, I wouldn't possibly want a property that was negative cash flow, but yet we buy things all the time that we consider to be valuable where we make a down payment, and then we make it subsequent payments until the thing is paid for. And the fact that you have a tenant who's carrying most of the weight, but not all the weight, and you guys are working together to pay off this property... If the investment makes sense for you over the period of time, 10, 20, 30 years, let's say, for example, this is not maybe an ideal rental property, but it is really a very nice luxury type property or a nicer type property. And typically that property is going to be harder to get the cash flow once you do something like weekly rentals or something like that. So, so now you're saying, but the reason I'm buying it is because 30 years from now, I want to own it paid for. I want it to be one of the four or five homes that I have around the world that I can go visit. Well, if you're if, if that's your mentality, then you might say, okay, I'm willing to put an extra $100 or $200 or $300 a month so that at some point in my life in the future, I have this property paid for. Now, you know, let's stop. That's a great
0: analysis. Let's say the numbers that we said were true, and it might not be for the kind of property you want and you know, to retire in. But if it was $100 a month, $12,000 in 10 years, $36,000 in 30 years, Comparing spending that $36,000 to own it outright in 30 years versus waiting 30 years at whatever the market might be in trying to buy it. $36,000 does not sound like very much, Well, you does think it?
1: about it. You say, you say okay, I, I'm going to take my down payment, whatever my down payment was, and my collective amount of, of uh, incremental investment, and that's what I paid for it, right? The tenant paid for everything else. And so you have to ask yourself, is that a good deal? Now, see, this is why it's important because you have to know what you're there to do. If this is some ratty little fourplex somewhere in the hood, might make a great little cash flow property. Maybe you don't want to set that up as negative cash flow, or wouldn't tolerate negative cash flow because you really don't care if you ever own that or not, and the incremental investment isn't worth it. So, it, it you know, sometimes people look at these things and they have these little dogmas. They have this, this, these, these mantras that they, and this is how it is all the time. And it, it if it was that easy, it is. Isn't really that easy you know and so we always say if you want great answers you have to ask great questions we started out at the top saying okay let's talk about the market you know I mean uh, what what caused the change in the first place and the, it's gonna be one of three things it's gonna be something that affected supply which is something you brought to the table which I wasn't aware of because I, I was not involved in the initial conversation it's gonna have something to do with demand and then it's gonna have something to do with capacity to pay And so if those things are all permanent things or long term issues and this thing isn't going to correct, then you're going to get that because you're asking the right questions. The question that we're just bringing up right now is, what's my purpose in owning this property, and what do I want it to do for me? Because that's going to affect my decision also considerably.
0: It should have affected your decision going in, right? Because we're talking about a property that you, uh, you know, now own, uh, and it definitely wants to affect your decision as you go on. It's the zero base thinking. Knowing what I now know, would I buy this property today? And even though the value has maybe gone down, does it still make sense to hang on? Let's say that the numbers in this case, I know they're they're a little different here. uh, This investor is looking at about $600 a month uh, negative. So $7,200 a year, $72,000 over 10 years but he's already invested $110,000 to to buy the property. And so does an incremental investment, and that's assuming the rents never got any better, of that magnitude over 10 years makes sense. Only the investor can can answer that, but that's the way to look at it.
2: Yeah, you gotta gotta apply that to what you project that long-term situation to be. Here's another thought. Cash flow, while extremely important, is not the end-all be-all. Not everything you ever buy has to produce cash flow tell me about how much cash flow your automobile produces. You know the answer, none. In fact, it costs you something Not in the positive, it. right? Yeah. Uh, so why do why would you buy it because you need it as part of the parcel of who you are. It's a tool to allow you to do part of your business. The same is true of a property you look at that may have negative cash flow. How does it fit in your mix of things? How does it fit in your portfolio? Arguably, if we ignore tax benefits, we still might consider that the real cost over that 10 years was less than the cash flow out of pocket
0: well that's why you have to you have to make some guesses because we're talking about the future so we say do the math but but you can't you know do the math on the future you have to just guess about the math on the future
1: well you know i mean when i was a kid i used to play chess with my dad and you know that is a game where you have an idea about the way you want things to go and you make your move and then things beyond your control which is your opponent makes a move and sometimes you're bright and you've anticipated that move and you've thought two three four five steps ahead sometimes it totally surprises you and you're like wow I didn't anticipate that you're not supposed to all. do that yeah I was planning for this other thing exactly. to happen. exactly and so you know the skilled chess player obviously can anticipate all of the different contingencies and has a plan a a plan B a plan C a plan D and that's why chess is such a great game for people who aren't athletically inclined you know flip side, we talked about this during the break is the idea of playing baseball where you're out there sitting there as, a, as an athlete and someone hits the ball
0: I don't think you're supposed to sit in baseball
1: well whatever I mean but you're, you're out there in the field. I sat (laughs) on the bench most of the time. (laughs) But but, you know, the ball, when it comes to you, you got to know, because you only have a split second to make a decision, what do I do? And if it doesn't come to me, if it goes to first base, then, you know, say I'm playing shortstop, what do I do? Which base do I cover? And it all depends on the situation. Who's on first, who's on second, what's the, you know, all that stuff. Um, so however you choose to look at, it, the point is, is that the, the, the more skilled you get at, A, anticipating the things that might happen, and B making decisions that keep your options as open as possible while you're continuing to move towards whatever your particular goal is, is is a big part of that thought process and i think the other thing too is uh... in this whole discussion because the six hundred dollar a month negative in this particular case is an interesting intellectual discussion but if you realistically can't handle it then that's gonna change your decision i i can't do it i mean even if i wanted to do it even if it's a great investment, it's like when someone says i'm gonna go buy that because it's on sale well, do you have any money no well, then, it, it, even though it's a good deal, it's not a good deal for you because you can't afford it, at least not right now. You have to go find a way to afford it and then, and then make your adjustments. So, again, that to me is another great question. What can I realistically do? Because there's no point in contemplating options that you can't realistically do.
0: Yep, absolutely. And there's some other interesting things when you talk about the bird and the hand property that maybe we wouldn't have been discussing a couple of years ago. Uh, first of all, can you even get a loan? parlaying on your, can I afford it topic? Can, is it even possible? You might now be in a situation where although you were loan worthy when you bought the property, you're not today and fewer people are. And so you have to look at the bird in the hand. And the second thing is today, it may be that if the property is underwater, you might be able to modify that loan. We spent a lot of time in the show in last year talking about loan modifications, and it's a great tool for the right investor at the right time. Now, there's a, it's a huge topic, so you have to learn about that as well. But there, those are tools that you have at your disposal that you might not have before.
2: I think that's a great example of the thing that you couldn't predict the opponent was going to do. You know, we talked about this being a deep, pervasive, whatever you want to call it, depression, recession. We can call
0: it a depression on pick, our
2: show. Pick, we haven't well, been uh, you're right, sanctioned. We can, we can. But it's one of the things that people didn't anticipate. Nobody thought that the whole bottom would drop out and you weren't going to be able to get those monies. So when you're making that plan, you got to say, what works for me? What's the likelihood I can make this happen? And what are the what ifs? That's a pretty big what if if you can't get the funds.
0: And, and I think in in the case of a rental property too, you're looking at, at how much headache there is, right? It's not just your your money; it's also your time. Is it a a nagging alligator of a property in terms of the time it takes and you have to think about it and deal with it? And sometimes that's a decision. It's like, wow, uh, you know, I should have got rid of this thing right long ago. It's like that wonderful car you always wanted, the old car you were going to rebuild and tune up, and then you find out that you know you're spending your whole life rebuilding it and tuning it up because it's just always perpetually not tuned up and not running how you want it becomes a if that's your passion awesome but if it's a big pain in your rear then then maybe not uh in in this particular case that was one of the advantages to this property it was as essentially as low maintenance as you can get i mean he literally said you know i pretty much forgot about it I love that from, yeah. a, from an investor Especially standpoint. when it's positive
1: <laughs> cash flow. Where did <laughs> right. this check come from? Where's this money coming remember. from?
0: You know, we have a little bit of royalty income from stuff we did a long time ago. And that's always fun when those checks come in. It's like, wow, how cool. That's something I did like 10 years ago, and now I still get the checks. You know, Songwriters have that uh, reality. And, and and so is there real estate that you can set up that is very low maintenance? So if I'm comparing, say, two properties that I have, and they're both either 100 positive or 100 negative, and one, I'm getting calls three times a week from my property manager i'm having to deal with it i'm having to think through it i'm having to do stuff and the other one just sits there you know doing nothing but that's worth something too it sure is and so it's a matter of really saying what do i want in my life
2: there are a lot of um there are a lot of investors uh, i think the mom and pop investors who um, who play at different levels of this game? From the oh, where did that check come from? To the micromanaging their property manager, all the contractors, all that kind of stuff. And this isn't just about getting your jollies, but it is about what gives you satisfaction, what works for you. You got a long-term financial goal. How do you want to arrive at that in terms of how much perturbation? The property is.
0: And then I also think that the bird in the hand, in terms of that for real, this is a property you know and understand. You have a relationship, hopefully, with a property manager. You have a relationship with the market. You have professionals that helped you get into this property. It's a known commodity. If I'm going to say, well, let's get rid of that and now get onto something else, that's an unknown. And there's always opportunity. And being the perpetual optimist, I know there's always opportunity. The challenge is. You don't do well long term just by jumping ship, jumping ship, jumping ship, going from deal to deal to deal, hoping the next one's going to be better. So you really have to have thought through it. We, we've talked up till now about the the keeping it part of it, and we're going to shift gears as we're halfway through the show here and talk about the the, the deciding to, to to cut and run and redeploy. Uh, but it, it is the known versus the unknown,
1: right? I think yeah. It's switching gears, then the big question to me, uh, and we you know we can continue to deal with this one is is really what's the shortest path to the best result you know stock traders have to decide this all the time because if they're going to decide to take a loss on a particular position Uh, they're going to do it because they think they can move into a new position that's going to get them whole faster the rookie will sit there and hold a position because they refuse to acknowledge a loss i don't want to take the loss well if the shortest path to getting whole is to realize this loss move the money into something that can produce a faster result it doesn't matter the ego says i don't want to take the loss but if you can set that aside and say what is the best business decision how quickly can i make the most money that drives it you know nobody likes to lose nobody likes to sell a property short nobody likes to eat equity nobody likes to eat all the costs associated with making the change plus the hassle factor but if that's the shortest path if you got a really great opportunity waiting for you then that may end up being the right decision for you
0: nobody likes to lose but everybody likes to win and if you stay tuned it is your chance (laughs) to win real estate trivia that's right we're going to ask you a trivia question and give you a chance to win a prize like we do every single week right here on the real estate guys stay with us i'm your host robert helms
3: Are you excited about real estate investing but not sure where to get started? Learn the secrets of building wealth through real estate in the comfort of your own home in the Real Equity Home Study Course, professional investor Robert Helms and his team of experts show you why real estate outperforms other investments. Stop dreaming about investing in real estate and start doing something about it. Order the Real Equity Home Study Course today at realestateguysradio.com and click on Resources, realestateguysradio.com. Hi, I'm Robert Kiyosaki, and I encourage you to listen to those wild and crazy real estate guys. They're the best. They're working for years, and they know what they're talking about.
0: We feel exactly the same way about you, Robert. Welcome back to the program, uh, except for the wild and crazy part. Well, I tell you, backstage, that guy gets pretty crazy. Fun guy. He is a fun guy. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, fun stuff to do, if you're not yet signed up for our eighth annual Investor Summit at Sea, now is the time. Get to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click where it says Cruise, and you'll find out about our annual Summit at Sea we spend a week. And uh, a bunch of that time is spent uh, on the ship in classes and seminars and roundtable discussions and learning from other investors, and a bunch of it spent in beautiful parts of the world, and we'll even do a real estate shore excursion where you can learn about some investment opportunities. It's going to be a great week, and the star-studded cast is going to amaze you. Uh, Just go to our website and find out who's sailing with us, and you can add yourself to that list. We're talking today about the dilemma an investor faces with a property that isn't performing exactly as it uh, was expected to. It didn't go quite to plan, and so now what? Do you hang on? Uh, Do you cut and run? And so let's focus a little bit on on the cut and run part. Before we do, we're going to play Real Estate Trivia. This is your chance to win a prize whether you think you should stay or you should go. Uh, We're going to give you a trivia question that has something to do with real estate and when you know the answer, send us uh, that answer along with your name and mailing address so we can send you your prize. Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate. That's our book on real estate investing and an autographed copy can be yours if you have uh, the correct answer to this week's trivia question and are either first to get it to us so we get the prize to the first person that gets the right answer, and also we take all the rest of the correct guesses and have a drawing for a second copy of the book. So if you're listening on iTunes or on our website or somewhere else, somebody else's uh, mobile device, then uh, you can still have a chance uh, to win. So last week on the show, uh, we were talking about hedging your bets with life insurance, and uh, I was very proud of this, this trivia question. The International Puppet Museum boasts a collection of more than 6,000 puppets. Where is it located? Now, last week I didn't let you guys guess, but this week I will.
1: Earth, yes, you are correct. <laughs> Do I win? It's located on
0: Earth. Uh, could you be more specific, Bob? Um, somewhere in uh, in Europe, and um... yes, it is somewhere in Europe. It is in Palermo, Sicily, and Italy, is where it is. Yes, wow. so uh, there you go. If you ever wanted to see more than a thousand puppets in one room. You get to Sicily, and and you find the International Puppet Museum.
2: You know, my son-in-law told me about a trip he made to Italy, but I don't think he mentioned the International Puppet Museum. Might have missed it
0: that time around. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, uh, see, trivia can be fun. Now, here's this week's trivia question. Name the only state to enter the United States by treaty instead of by territorial annexation. That's fun to say. Territorial annexation. right? 49 states have entered by territorial annexation. They've been annexed to the union. But this one state was uh, actually added to the U.S. by treaty. Which state was it? If you know or want to make a guess, send it to us at trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com and include your name and mailing address. Maybe you'll when equity happens. All right. It's time to uh, cut bait. We've decided, nope, I don't want to keep the property. I want to move on. So what's the decision factor there? Let's go back to our our case study, because I think this is uh, something to think about. This investor put in over $100,000, right? A chunk of that is gone because the value of the property is gone. Plus, when you sell, there's things to consider. Yep. We've
2: always got selling costs, and they can be easily predicted we certainly can get in the right range what we don't really know is exactly how much we're going to get for the property because selling costs tend to be a percentage of the price that you sell the property for there'll be commissions and things like that there will also be you know all the various fees that are concerned with this if you're the seller we probably aren't worried about what the buyer's costs are but our costs alone are going to be in the neighborhood of eight to twelve percent likely depending on what the commissions are what the structures are, what you paid for. And who pays
0: the commission? It's often the seller, but not everywhere, right? So... Just understand I'll give you a little more information about the marketplace uh, before we're done I'm not gonna tell you where it is but just once we get done uh, the exercise but sales costs aren't the only thing to consider
1: right well I mean well yeah because first you can't predict what the property is gonna sell for but one thing you probably want to do is figure out what kind of shape it's in because you probably you know you got to understand your market in order to get your best price you're gonna have some value decisions to make so you get together with your real estate professional who really knows that local market and they're going to tell you what they think the property is worth in its current condition. And then the big question is, is if it isn't in premium commit condition already, what should I do that is going to bring me the most yield? So you might say, well, I could repaint it. That would bring this. And I would get a great return. I can spend $500 and repaint it and get $5,000 more. Or I could put in new plumbing. All right, I'll put in new plumbing and nobody's going to see it. They expect it to work. I'll put in $5,000 and get 500, you know, or it won't make any difference at all. And so those are the types of decisions you have to make. You might have to spend a little bit of money. A lot of those quotes and things you can get for free because people will come out and they'll be interested in the work. Uh, but maybe some of the inspections and some of the things that you would make that are going to be a bargaining chip on the buyer side, where they're going to be, you know, comp- compromising their offer, lowering their offer, asking you for concessions. You know, and again, your real estate professional will be able to tell you what's going on in the market. You know, what what are you going to have to bring to the party? Is it a buyer's market? Is it a seller's market? And then
0: the type of property does it have a tenant in it right now? Do you keep a tenant in it right now and sell it as a tenant? property to an investor? Or is it a single family unit that might do better on the resale market to an end user, someone who's going to be an owner-occupant? In this case, this is a single property that is a great owner-occupant candidate because of the uh, of the nature of this project and where it is and, and how nice it is. It's in the high end. And so in this particular property, I would say you're going to sell it empty and you're probably going to clean it up quite a bit so it looks like a brand new home. If it's the fourplex we talked about, well you just want paying tenants. That's well, what yeah, you want. Yeah, it depends.
1: I mean, really, it goes back to knowing what your buyers looking for. If you're if a buyer is coming in to look at your property as a home, then you want it to be empty and not look like somebody else has already lived in it. If they're buying it as an income property, they're very interested in the income and you've actually done them a service if in fact you have a good quality performing tenant in there. So you just it's it's all Part of the the preparing the property to be sold, and the first question again, working with your real estate professional is who's my ideal buyer, and how do I package this property to be attractive to that person where I will get the highest price.
2: Yep, the likely buyer for a single-family home or a condominium is predominantly going to be a new owner. Yes, investors will be interested in that, but a small percentage of those properties are owned by investors. So we're probably looking at a new owner occupant. An owner-occupant does not want to do what an investor does, which is here's my offer i'll look at the property next week and see if it looks like i think it should look that's what an investor is willing to do an occupant absolutely is not that's why we see so many websites today with a hundred pictures on there we're trying to give them a feeling and get them excited about this thing before they get there and they absolutely want to see it there are a lot of strategies if you're the seller the sellers agent about how does this property get presented so that i've got people walking in nodding their heads up and down and continuing to do that for some period of time, like five or 10
0: minutes. Right, as soon as you decide that you're gonna sell, then you've gotta have your seller's hat on and you gotta be sharp. And if your thing is, Gush, I just can't afford to feed this thing 600 a month, but it's gonna cost you 15,000 to get it ready to sell, then that's gonna enter into your decision. But beyond just what it's going to cost me to sell and what I'm going to guess I'm going to get, you may have tax consequences from having purchased this property. Was it part of a 1031 exchange? Did you buy the property at a higher price and now it's at a loss? Is there a loss that you might be able to use as a benefit? I mean, there's a, there's a tax picture here we got to think about as well.
1: This goes back to the idea that you want to consult with your advisors anytime you're going to be making a major financial decision. Because you have to look at it from a lot of different angles. You know, If you have an estate plan, when you move property in and out, it's going to affect your estate plan. Uh, If you are thinking that you want to go purchase another property, you're probably going to want to have yourself pre-qualified with your mortgage professional to find out what can I really qualify for in today's market. Uh, The game has changed considerably over the last couple of years. Uh, You're definitely going to want to involve your tax professional and make sure they understand what your situation is. You may be able to save substantially uh, simply by timing when you actually make your move. Once you make the decision, you're going to cut bait, and you know, if it's September and you say, gee, if I hold on for four months and do this next year, it's going to be very advantageous. The flip side of that is your tax guy may say, "Hey, you know, if you can get this deal done, it's going to save you X." And you might say, "Okay, well, I'll I'll give a price concession, or I'll I'll pay a little extra commission to get it done inside of the next four months, so that I can receive that tax benefit." So having those people as part of the decision-making process. I mean, you have to figure out strategically what you think is going to be the best move, but then you double-check your assumptions with the people who technically, tactically live in the, the, the real world with those different uh, specifics, and then you're going to come back and have to put it all together and then do the math, and the math will tell you what to do.
0: Well, and you've also got to consider that in the case of selling a property, uh, we're pretty much taking the example here that there's at least a little equity left. If you're not in that situation, this is a short sale. Now there's a whole other layer of professional guidance that you need But it also, many of the things we're talking about make sense. Even if you own the property and you have to sell it short, just getting rid of it and getting rid of those headaches might be the decision that you're making versus do I try to limp along? Do I try to modify the loan? And so it's a little different than what our our case study really is about and what we're we're talking about today. But the more complex it is, the more you have to uh, consult with professionals.
2: Russ mentioned an interesting point. Suppose you are doing a tax deferred exchange. When you do a tax-deferred exchange, when you went into the property, you transferred funds from an earlier property into this one, and those funds become taxable when you ultimately sell it, when you quit trading, when you quit moving ahead. Suppose you have a property where you've got a loss from the purchase price to its current value, but how does that compare with what happens with the gains that you would pay independent of the loss on the
0: appreciation side? This is why you involve your tax professional if you're in that situation, because you have to understand that, and that may uh, affect your decision. So the biggest thing is now I'm going to sell this thing, and I'm going to estimate I'm coming out with proceeds. What am I going to do with those proceeds? That's what we're going to talk about next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms.
3: Are you struggling to keep up with your mortgage payments? Whether it's your home, vacation, or investment property, there are loan workout options available. To help you sort through all the noise in the marketplace, The Real Estate Guys has written a free 18-page report called, What You Must Know Before Attempting a Loan Workout. In this special report, you'll discover the single most important thing the lender looks for before agreeing to modify your loan. Plus, you'll be able to weigh the pros and cons of hiring a professional versus doing it yourself, and much, much more. All you need to do to get your copy is email your request to workout at realestateguysradio.com. It's free, it's confidential, and it's yours when you send your request to workout at realestateguysradio.com. Hope is not a strategy. Start your own economic bailout plan today. Get the Real Estate Guys free report, What You Must Know Before Attempting a Loan Workout. Email your request to workout at realestateguysradio.com.
0: Hi, this is Kim Kiyosaki, I'm the author of Rich Woman, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. We're so glad to have you with us this week. Did you miss last week's show and it's just bugging you? Well, you can go hear it on our site at realestateguysradio.com. It's still there along with the week before that. So uh, you got plenty of time to uh, listen to our show. If you don't hear it live, uh, if you hear it live and you love it, tell a friend because uh, we want to spread the word about The Real Estate Guys. Today, we're talking about the decision investor makes on a property. They own that uh, is maybe a little bit underwater, or maybe it's a there's a little equity left. What do you do? Uh, all we hear is how much great opportunity there is today, and we've looked around. There is there's a ton of great opportunities. Properties that were once selling for two hundred thousand are now on the market for forty. And and the the cash flow is stupid. It makes so much sense. So what about the compared to what? Back to our example. So we got a guy. He put one hundred ten thousand dollars into this property. He's fairly content to let it go along. But rather than continue to invest six hundred or five hundred a month, what if instead he just cut and ran, took the money, liquidated it, and instead of coming out with the hundred and ten he originally invested, he only came out with fifty grand. Now, whatever your situation is, whatever your numbers are, you have to do the math and say, would fifty grand today to be able to invest in what many perceive is near the bottom of the market, would that be better than the hundred and ten I spent at what arguably could have been higher to the top of the market?
1: Yeah, I mean, these. This is where it starts to get somewhat complex because if what you have is a negative equity situation, then you're not going to free up cash to get out. You're going to free up cash flow if you're dealing and time. and, and headache. Well, yeah. And, and, Attention. And, and, then, and then the other thing you've got potentially to free up is your ability to go get more loans because there are a limited number of investor-type loans on residential property you're going to be able to get under the FHA uh, you know, and the Fannie guidelines and all of that. So by getting rid of a property, you free up the ability to get a second loan, assuming, of course, you still have credit and the ability to come up with a down payment somewhere else. But if you actually have equity, as we do in this particular case study, uh, then that's a different question. And the question is, is what type of return can I get on that? Equity, uh and how quickly can it grow? Because the the, the notion that the hundred thousand dollars that he put into the property is still there, it isn't there. It's well, and
0: this is huge. You've got to break that paradigm. We have so many investors today who are doing whatever they're doing based on the fact that, but I've put two hundred grand into this property. If you put two hundred thousand dollars into a property that was worth seven hundred thousand when you bought it and worth four hundred today. There is no two hundred thousand. It's gone.
1: It's gone. The market has already taken it. So the big question is: is how quickly will the market give it back? How quickly will your position in that property go back to the hundred thousand? Obviously, you're gonna in this situation. He's got to come away with fifty, and he's got to double that equity. And so how quickly can he double that equity? Well, if he buys into a positive cash flow market with good prospects for appreciation and a decent amount of leverage, might be able to do that over the next five or 10 years. You break it down any way you want. Then you got to go back and say, how long is it going to take him to get back to that in the current situation? You know, obviously, if you're upside down in a property, it could take a very, very long time. Um, there's no way to really answer that question. It, it, now it's really very much a matter of knowing what your options are. And when I say options, I'm talking about what what markets are available to you, what loan programs are available to you, what type of interest rates and cash flow scenarios are available in these markets, and that's probably the harder decision. So it's it's sometimes when we have pain, we get so focused on the pain, or you know we just get focused on this one property and what about this one property? But really that one property doesn't have any context unless maybe you look at two or three other options and you have to take your focus off the current property and you have to go look at other markets. And this well, is-,
0: that is the compared to what that's exactly what it is. If I had this chunk of money, cause see, if you don't have a plan for it, then you're not going to make the right decision. If you have a plan for it and you can figure out what those various things you could do with the money are and which one of those make the most sense to you, now you have what you need to make a decision.
1: Right, so stick with me on this. This is why it's so important, even though you might not be currently in the market to buy a property that you're always evaluating markets and opportunities because A, it keeps you sharp, B, it always gives you a chance when you're reviewing your current portfolio to ask a valid compared to what question instead of a hypothetical compared to what question. And that way, when these decisions do come, you're not just starting a cold. I mean, you're not starting from, from no momentum at all. You've already got some momentum in, in the market. And that's just part of being a being a professional real estate investor from the attitude perspective.
0: You never know when the next windfall's gonna happen or when Aunt Martha's gonna go, you never know. So you might as well be prepared and it keeps you sharp. Right? I mean, that's the other part of it is that as a, as a real estate investor, you wanna stay interested, especially most investors are part-time investors. Our whole premise when we started our mentoring club eight years ago and now at our audio mentoring club as part of Backstage Pass and Real Estate Guys is that a little time once a month is not so much that you can't do it, but it's enough that you can focus on your real estate investment and get serious about it and get sharp and keep your head in the game. Keeping your head in the game is important now and otherwise you're starting from zero.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I just go back to that same thing. You talk about the mentoring club concept. You know, if it, using the athletic thing we talked about earlier, being a guy that spent a little bit of time on the bench, when you're there, you actually have to work harder than the guy that's on the field to keep your head in the game. Because if you're off there daydreaming and not paying attention to what's going on in the game and the coach calls your number and you go trotting out onto the field and you don't have a clue what's going on, you're moving farther down to spending more time on the bench than, than having any prayer of winning a chance to be actually on the field more often. And so it's the same thing. If you got a day job and you're busy with your life and you've got a couple properties going on and you feel like, hey, market's not real good right now, I don't really, I'm not qualified or I'm not in a position to buy anything, and you disengage – First of all, that could be the kiss of death on your current properties because if you don't pay attention to them, believe me, they don't go on autopilot. This is a, this is a business where you you have to pay attention to you even managing your managers. You got to pay attention. And then number 2 is is that when when you do have to make a decision, as I said earlier, you're just not your head's not in the game. And you got to keep your head in the game. That's where listening to a show like this or participating in a mentoring club or an investment program where you get around people that are like-minded, it doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be you know, but, but it's got to be consistent. So, you know, we always liked once a month, we said, hey, if you get together once a month and you focus on this area of your life, it's going to keep you honest, it's going to keep you engaged, it's going to keep you informed, but it isn't going to impose on your life to such an extent that it's so burdensome that, uh, that you know, you're going to have to get out of it. And so, so I you know, and right now it's even more important because there are a lot of people that are sitting on the sidelines, but they do have properties and you got to stay engaged because the market's going to turn. And when the market starts to turn, you don't want to go, oh, gee, the market turned. Uh, a year ago and I just realized it and I missed it. Oops. Let's
2: look at this guy again from the point of view of where is he? First of all, in this property, let's say he's upside down. He doesn't have equity to take. If he has equity, it's a slightly different position. But either way, even if he's got some equity left, we can think about how long it takes to get back to where i was or we can ignore entirely where i was because what's lost is lost and simply say what are the different opportunities staying in there making my projections seeing where this will go doesn't have to be till i get back to where i was it can be two years from now five years from now ten years from now versus just taking those dollars those net dollars after i sell this and extricate myself how do i compare those two scenarios
0: yeah and you know the other thing about that is it's just like the way people view the value of their house most of you if you're listening in the united states of america today your house is worth less than it was at some point in the past so that doesn't mean anything necessarily you can't base your whole world on i'm not moving to my house is worth 800 grand again or 80 grand depending on the market you're in you had instead it's zero-based thinking knowing what i now know learning what i've learned realizing where the market is seeing where opportunity is and what that looks like for me Does it make sense? What should I do? And that's really what this analysis has been about. You have a a bird in the hand and it may not be perfect. And most of the birds in the hand today aren't. And you've got this great opportunity out there with everybody touting, oh, it's the best time to buy in 27 years. And you don't have example. You you don't have the ability to work with that because all your money's tied up in, in properties. Is there a property it makes sense to get rid of to position yourself to play? only you can decide. Well, that is our show today. Thank you so much for spending your time with us here at the Real Estate Guys. You can check out what we do at realestateguysradio.com If you like what you hear, you'll love what you see. You can check out our TV show, looking at our website there and learn more about the Success Training Network where the Real Estate Guys play on TV. Hey, big thanks to our sponsors for uh, bringing our program to you, to our engineer Chathan, uh, to the guys here in the studio, and uh, remember to pass along the Real Estate Guys newsletter and uh, our IT and all that because we would love to spread the word. Until next week, make sure some equity happens to you, and if it doesn't, reposition it. That's what I say. <laughs> See you next week.
3: This airing of The Real Estate Guys was brought to you in part by our sponsors, Global Property Network, referrals to the world and properties to your doorstep. Call GPN at 877-411-4GPN. Or online at globalpropertynetwork.com. Trivio. Extend your trivio.com trial for 60 days when you use the promotional code Real Estate Guys. Go online to T R E I V O.com. Audible.com. Audible.com is the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Log on to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys to get a free audiobook download of your choice. You can find out about these and our other valued sponsors on our sponsor page at realestateguysradio.com. And to learn how you can sponsor the program, call Matthew Pierce at 510-521-50100. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on The Real Estate Guys.
1: If you're like me and thousands of others, you know that the Real Estate Guys radio show is a great source for quality content about investing in real estate. But did you know that they also have a book? I just finished reading their book, Equity Happens, and I was blown away by how much I learned. If you're ready to create sustainable wealth through real estate, you need to get Equity Happens. You'll learn, just as I did, about what it takes to prosper in the real estate industry. So don't wait. Make equity happen to you. Order your copy today at equityhappens.com.